Today on our brand new podcast, the That Podcast crew wonders, how is it even possible to make a cheerleader-themed sex romp this boring? The answer? The 1970s, it's Cheerleader Beach Party on That Podcast Stays Up All Night. folks and welcome to that podcast stays up all night the only podcast that snores during the co-ed shower scenes i'm your team's star quarterback josh with me are the handsome new running back cody and head cheerleader aura say hello gracies hello gracies hello uh since this is the first episode of our brand new show on our brand new network we're going to take a moment to talk about the premise of the show and that means talking about usa up all night Here's a brief history for all you damned millennials. USA Up All Night was a program on the USA Network in the dark ages of 1989. It replaced a music video and experimental film show called Night Flight, which was amazingly good in its own right. Uh, Essentially, Up All Night broadcast TV edits of a film library, something which used to be fairly common in the early days of cable television, because it filled a lot of air in an era where fledgling stations could not afford much in the way of production costs for original programming. Up All Night used a hosted format with segments that bookended the films. Uh, Comedian Gilbert Gottfried handled hosting duties for the initial Saturday Night Edition, which was broadcast from New York. After a short time, a Friday night version originating in LA started airing with Caroline Schlitt initially hosting But by the beginning of 1991, Schlitt left the program and Rhonda Shear took over Fridays, uh, becoming much more notable for her involvement with the show. And the Friday shows eventually moved to New York in 1995. In 1998, Up All Night fell afoul of a studio shakeup that saw the host segments canceled and the library changing to more mainstream fare, only retaining the introductory graphics. By 2002, Up All Night was away for good. Perhaps the most notable thing about Up All Night was the content of its film library. In the initial run of the show, the film's broadcast mostly consisted of exploitation and exploitation-adjacent films from the 70s and 80s and eventually the 90s as the show went on. The films mainly fell into three broad categories that I have designated boob comedies, boob horror, and erotic thrillers. Boob comedies were the more... Why is it boob thrillers? Oh, never mind. Because it's an erotic thriller. <laughs> Haven't you ever watched Cinemax? Boob <laughs> uh, <laughs> comedies were the more adult-oriented comedic films, more common before the PG-13 rating, and the emergence of stricter standards for teen viewing reduced their popularity. Uh, examples for that would be Porky's or Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, a very reprehensible film in retrospect. <laughs> uh, boob horror films are just horror films, uh, but with more emphasis on shower scenes than stabbings and often somewhat more of a sense of humor as well. Uh, Better known examples would include Night of the Comet and Return of the Living Dead. Uh, Finally, erotic thrillers encompass the ove of Shannon Tweed, taking place in an absurd world where sex therapists and grizzled detectives share beds and suspicions. Examples include Angel and Reform School Girls, and basically any movie in which there is a character who claims to be doing a job called sex therapy. (laughs) 
As the category names might indicate, the main factor linking the films on Up All Night was often raunchy content. Of course, being on basic cable, the films were edited for nudity and violence. One thing that has to be considered is the differences in how we accessed media back in the era of its broadcast. In a largely pre-internet era where on-demand porno wasn't a couple clicks away at all times, our ability to scare up prurient content was a lot more restricted. While the gold standard of the teen pervert in the 80s and 90s was the free Cinemax weekend, Up All Night was a much more reliable vendor of cheap thrills. And in the process, teens like myself were exposed to some oddities and experiments as well, with screenings of cult classic films like Eating Raul and bizarre older films like Pretty Poison. Can hang on just one second? So, what they'd be like? They'd be like, "Hey, come for the boobs. Stay, stay, stay for the uh, for the for occasional the, weird art." Film. Yeah, yes. I, I, yeah. <laughs> isn't that isn't that crazy? It was. In fairness, I think it descended somewhat from Night Flight, which preceded it, which sure. wasn't as salacious, but definitely mixed in mainstream music content with experimental film and like weird stuff by people like Laurie Anderson. Well, and Viacom, <laughs> uh, Viacom, who owned USA at the time, and I believe also owned MTV, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Not 100% certain of that. You can fact check me later, uh, internet. But <laughs> I think Viacom owned both USA. So, like, something like Night Flight makes sense because it, it sort of interweaves the, yeah. the, the brands. But then when you have uh, USA up all night, what happens is... Um, and I think this was your experience as well with uh, with USA Up All Night, is they had the cartoons on before it. And so you'd watch the cartoons, and then they'd be like, okay, time to go to bed, kitties, or whatever. <laughs> and errant parents like yours and mine would, uh, would definitely not be watching the cartoons with the kids, and you would end up with, well, with boob comedies. Well, if I recall, I didn't make my notes on this, but if I recall from earlier research on this, USA launched as a network that was going to show kids' cartoons, game shows, and sporting events, primarily. So what's and, and eventually it evolved to put on all these weirder shows. And the way that sure. one of the more interesting things that I see when you look at the evolution of cable is how there's the intent of a station as it launches, but then it's very much driven by its audience, like the History Channel being my favorite example because very little on the History Channel is actually about history at this point. Or MTV, another great example, very little on MTV these days has anything to do with music. Sure. Uh, they're just driven by audience demands that they build. Like They build a, an audience that wants certain things. Yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting the amount of like TNA because I was like, USA, that's like where Psych and doesn't Monk come from like USA too? Okay, well that's yeah. a later iteration of uh, uh, USA yeah, yet. You're, you're, you're two iterations out yet. That's what I, I was like. This is not at all what I was expecting when I was like, oh, USA up all night. That was, that was Characters Welcome USA. Ah, but but yeah. these films were censored for broadcast when they were on USA. That was the other like, thing that I were immediately not looked up like <laughs> ten seconds into the first one that I watched. I was like, whoa, what? I need some oh, You I need mean some when they have the big old like Follow Lesbo shower scene in the, oh, in the first yeah. like, ten minutes. Holy crap! It's just so funny. About? It cuts, but the music's still playing. Like the running off of the field, nothing happens in the shower, and then they just cut back. Like everything's fine. Like uh, yeah, they, they cut it with the game. and with old people talking about the game. I suppose we'll get to that in the yeah. description of this film. But yeah, there's there's an odd tone in a lot of these films in broadcast because of that. <laughs> 
You you definitely oh, find some strangers in the Alps, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so a lot of that was was framed around my personal experience of, of growing up watching these things in an in an era where this was how you learned about the world as as a young man. Uh, Aura was also uh, of age around that era, so I thought I'd maybe ask Aura to also. Speak the script to you. says that I was a fellow old man. More fellow old man. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanna. Uh, yes, I am a fellow old man as well. Uh, I I was much younger than Josh when uh, up all night, uh, and I say much younger as if like we're much. I'm much younger than you now. I'm not, but at the time I was. You know, you were you were in your teens, right? And I was. I'm like a year older than you, buddy. <laughs> two. I thought you're two. No, one. A okay. little more than one, because you're, you're this hitting is the milestone. This is great so. podcast right here, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're hitting the milestone this year, right? The world up. building for the What's podcast. That? You're getting the milestone right now. Coming yeah. up, right? That was last year for me. Oh, okay. Just in a, We're just not talking about month. that, Cody. Oh. Don't make a face. <laughs> uh, no, okay. I thought, I, for some reason, I thought you... Well, you have a better memory of this than I do, um, which might... Might just be a facet of my shitty memory more than the <laughs> fact that I thought I was much younger than you when this was on. But, um, yeah, uh, like I said, I, I had a pretty... I, I was babysat by cable a lot during my my formative years, and uh, USA was a good friend to me because it had Press Your Luck, yeah. which I, lo- I the loved. The best game show. I loved watching the whammies. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and when I was a kid, I'm not sure I could have explained to you how the game was played, but I loved the whammies. <laughs> well, and and then you watch these like YouTube tell-alls now, and it, apparently the whole fucking thing was fixed. So yeah, there's even, a pattern to it. There's yeah. a guy who ripped them off for it and then got all of his money stolen in a very hilarious story. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> um, That'll be a movie soon. So, so so something like I'd watch like USA Up All Night, I... I I wouldn't swear to it, Let's Make a Deal might have been on USA as well. Um, but then there was also, like, He-Man, She-Ra, um, like, those cartoons, the like, the 70s, like, Wacky Racelands, and things like that. Like, all of these old cartoons that, like... Barbera eras. <laughs> oh, um, Hanna-Barbera, yeah, all of Hanna-Barbera. So, like, oh, Thundar so the Barbarian, so and many the Herculoids... <laughs> Uh, Space Snorks. Ghost, Snorks, um, uh, uh, Speed Buggy. Sp- yes, I remember um, Speed Buggy. And uh, like Scooby Doo, if Scooby was a car. I think <laughs> I think Captain Planet was first run on WGN, but then uh, got second runs on USA. Perhaps. Right. Um, so, right? yeah, all of these great like cartoons that were that were. Um, and then there was a Segway cartoon on the Up All Nights, a Duck Man, which <laughs> they would play. So it would be cartoons for kids. Then it would be Duck Man, which was a cartoon for adults. It was, it was sort and of then, it was like a smuttier Simpsons. Yeah, basically, um, with uh, Jason Alexander as the voice of Duck Man, if you if you remember him from Seinfeld fame, and he was a detective that was a, a sex detective. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> the detective with a crazy family and a straight yeah. in a straight laced partner to act as the sounding board. And something like Duckman definitely sets you up for like even weirder cartoons that later like come on MTV and the Cartoon Network and things like that. Like, oh yeah, it's definitely part of that whole 
that resulted in like the Max and the Head and oh, stuff like that, like liquid television y sort of stuff, and then. <laughs> Sorry. And then also things like um, the oblongs, even, which, you know, <laughs> like... Yep. That's criminally underrated, too. And eventually into Adult Swim, I think, is where a lot of oh, those sort of influences went. So so, the, so this is... USA Up All Night, like, holds that kind of place where um, uh, those of you who, who've, who've listened to our other podcasts know about my notorious sort of sleeping disorder I've had since I was a child... Which does not allow me to, like, sleep normally. And so, something like USA Up All Night, after everybody goes to bed, like, I'm just up watching, like, these these boob comedies and these horror movies and things like this. Uh, sort of um, exacerbating my not able to sleep problem. But nevertheless, I, there I am, you know, up all night. <laughs> and there it is, providing you with a... I don't know, content you probably shouldn't be watching. No, absolutely not. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I think the assumption on the part of our parents when yeah. we were of a, of a particular age was that the inappropriate content would be on the pay channels. Yeah, and it was sort of right. In, yeah. In, in that if you consider the act of looking at, like, the actual severing of a body part or an actual boob was, was the, the harmful part. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the... And American society runs on that assumption, in fairness. I mean, G.I. Joe was a show about soldiers shooting people. Sure. <laughs> well, most of the time, uh, with Up All Night, like, if it was a horror movie, I'd just kind of shut it off. Like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't love the horror movies. Like, I, I was more into the, the, the dramas and the comedies on that. And even some dramas, I would just be like, this is boring. And shut it off, <laughs> you know? But, but, um... It's, it's if you think about the idea of this like um, infantile comedy like being aimed at adults and I'm air quoting at adults but then really sort of being mismatched with like these children's sort of like yeah. signifiers it's it's it really is a weird th- like it, you know it, it's yeah. not surprising that people of me and Josh's age and you know where we're at in the world is, is not, um, you know, exactly uh, unheard of, yeah. <laughs> you know. And a lot of those comedies weren't... <laughs> like, I think this film that we're going to talk about today was aimed at adults, sadly. <laughs> but a lot of the films, particularly the ones from the 80s, stuff like Porky's, was very much targeted at teenagers. Sure. Who probably shouldn't be watching it because it's probably R-rated content. <laughs> but that's, you know, a lot of horror films, even R-rated films, are also targeted at teenagers that shouldn't be watching it. And lots of kids in my elementary school would tell me all about Nightmare on Elm Street. I was just going to say, isn't that the bread and butter of horror in some ways, is the is the teen crowd? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like, absolutely. There's, there's always that sort of self-deception of who these films are actually for, you know? Mm-hmm. This is the same as, like, getting your movie banned in, like, Europe or something like that only drives your popularity where you, like, quote-unquote can see it. So as soon as you can get, like, a DVD or VHS tape copy of of one of these movies and pass it off to your buddy, that's where the, like, circulation spikes. I was actually just reading an interview with uh, with Mia Khalifa, who was briefly a pornographic star, who was most known for doing scenes wearing a hijab, because she's of of Lebanese descent and, and... I don't know if she's a practicing Muslim. Uh, But one of the things in the interview that they were talking about uh, is how much, despite the fact that uh, Muslim-majority countries that are very theocratic were 
objected to the scenes very much, but the downloads that she got there were incredible because huge numbers of people in those countries wanted to see her, despite the fact that it might have been in the country where you could get killed for doing that. Like, it's... You know, people want to see things that you're not supposed to see. Yes. I also saw this exact same Mia Khalifa-like interview. (laughs) And nothing else that she's ever been in. Certainly not that specific hijab video that was being spoken about. I actually haven't seen it. I'm not familiar with that. I I don't care if people watch (laughs) pornography, but I'm not really much of a porn watcher. Very very Um, familiar with Mia Khalifa's work. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually just, I I read a, it was probably about the same interview, but it was was a text article about it. Mm Mm-hmm. So I tend to prefer consuming stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but, so Cody, you're the, the youngest on the team, and you have not watched Up All Night that I was that I am aware of. Correct, yeah. So I, I thought I would ask you instead maybe to talk about your experience and interest in sleazy and exploitation films. Actually, <laughs> let me pause on that just for one second and ask, listening to us describe this, uh-huh. is the picture clear to you of yes, what, what yeah, the hell very, we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, very, very clear. Well, that's the other thing that's interesting, like, starting with this one specifically is just that, is sexploitation. Like, the, the way I would describe this movie is everything that you skip around when you're watching actual porn, <laughs> which is why it's, like, no surprise, spoilers, to find out that this is, like, the director's attempt to break out of porn into mainstream porn films. It's like, <laughs> oh, this has the exact pacing and beats and timing and, like, somehow, like, really good music scenes as, like, normal porn does. <laughs> so, uh, but, like, yeah, all the other stuff, uh, the, like, monster movies, even though, like, yeah, for, for an early age, I grew up uh, in an extremely religious family, so the rule was usually, like, R-rated films are okay as long as it's just for, like, violence or language, but once you start taking in certain, like, R-rated films... It's like, oh yeah, Braveheart is like this, but once you start wanting to watch horror movies, like, you can't watch any mainstream classic horror, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, these all have, like, inexplicable boob shots in the middle of them somewhere. So... (laughs) I feel like it's interesting what you just said, that it's okay to watch R-rated movies for violence, and, and I feel like that's, I feel like there's, I definitely feel that's a thread in American culture where violence is much more acceptable. Yeah. It's, Look at video games. Well, from uh-huh. like from my standpoint, growing up, or the at least this was like the perception growing up in a church environment was oh, like the Old Testament's riddled with like horrific violence. Oh, yeah. So you're you're already <laughs> taking that in on like a weekly basis. So if you're you're seeing it in movies, you already have like a certain delineation in your mind of like, oh, the Bible was a long time ago, or not real. And so these are also just movies, so you don't have to <laughs> take it that seriously. And in fairness, there's weird sex stuff in the Bible, too. <laughs> yeah, that's... If you're looking for a book with adult content, oh, it's The Bible and Up All Night have a lot in common. <laughs> but sort of speaking to what you were saying about, like, the horror movies that would throw boobs, and, like, I'm, I'm just now thinking, like, maybe that's because that nudity makes them more socially... Because... Uh, being sort of socially unacceptable is always a part of horror, in my opinion. And I wonder mm-hmm. if that's part of why they throw the nudity in, because, like, the violence is to some degree acceptable, but the the sex makes it edgier. Yeah, it makes it more like, oh, you really shouldn't have young kids watching this stuff, because, yeah, like, kids, yeah. I mean, 
I saw something the other day that was like my entire generation grew up with like around the age of 10 seeing like 2,000 people die on live TV. So like the idea of mass violence isn't really anything that we're not accustomed to by this point. Sad but true little bumper there. But uh, but yeah, like the it's it's the TNA that that's suddenly the like, oh, this is inappropriate. This is why you shouldn't. And that's why everybody tells you you shouldn't watch the thing and why it feels so much better when you actually do watch the thing. It's <sighs> <laughs> sad there for a second. Well, let me yeah. let me ask you, does the contrivance of Up All Night like also sound interesting to you? Like this, like like these movies glued together by these like weird host segments in the middle and things like that too. It, it well I I hope it does because you're partaking in one. Oh but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's definitely not... The idea of that isn't new to me because you have shows like The Talking Dead that have, like, a whole cable life just because you're talking about something immediately after it airs. But uh, I was wowed because I I had a feeling it was one of those... um, What's the Gulini? Yeah, Sven Guli. Sven Guli, yeah, Gulini. I don't know what that <laughs> must be mixing my ghoul pun names. Also, Elvira. It has a it yeah. Has a, uh, so, so I I got like all of that, and then I was looking at the people that hosted. I was like, holy shit, Gilbert Godfrey. I was like, yeah. this um, immediately like makes so much more sense. Like <laughs> that's the type of person that's hosting this. That explains why it's all like TV censored, TNA. So you're mostly just getting the jokes, some of the violence, but even that's like toned down a little bit. And uh, but yeah, everything else like it makes sense. It would be the thing that you're up suddenly. It's like let's see what's on TV at two a.m. Yeah. Oh, oh, the porn with the porn cut out. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen Rhonda Shear, but she's really she presents this. She acts like a sort of B movie starlet, like a stereotype of the. Oh, uh, okay. She has like a squeaky voice. Do you, or do you want to try and do the, the Ronda Sheer up all night? USA up all night. And she would always, when she was introducing the show, she would do that with a, with a little bump in it, like sort of a yep. Betty Boop type. Oh. Uh, so yeah, the and host then Gilbert really... Gottfried would be very much like <laughs> he'd just be up Gilbert all Godfrey. night. <laughs> and it was it's weird because he was. I mean, Aladdin had been out by then. I right? was just thinking, so yeah. He, he wasn't done. Watch <laughs> this TNA cartoon, kids, and don't forget about Aladdin. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I th- I think I was aware who Gilbert Gottfried was when he was on Apollo. Oh, I, I definitely recognized him like the first time I saw the show, which probably been early 90s. Yeah, me too. All right. <laughs> we got to do our Gilbert Gottfried voices already. Uh, that's I <laughs> figure that'll that'll happen a lot. When we have guests on, we're going to make them do imitations. We're gonna, we had, oh. we kind of have a spoiler alert for the listeners. We kind of have a small game that we're going to spring on them. We're going to see how long they can have a conversation in the Gilbert Gottfried oh, voice. I'm so excited <laughs> for this. Stuff. Well, what I'm thinking is we should make the, the dudes do Gilbert Gottfried and the girls do Rhonda Shear. Oh, that'd oh. be fun too. Like this. <laughs> back and forth it could be like a, a script just filled with as many like awful like face value sex puns it's like whoever cracks first <laughs> alright so moving on with, uh, with the show uh, as you might expect the podcast stays up all night is a podcast devoted to walking through the movies from USA up all night so we didn't just discuss all of this for no reason uh, it's probably a futile goal to try and get through all of them but I don't know it's a podcast it's something to do with your life right 
Uh, we're not doing the crawl in order of airing, uh, but we did decide to start this episode with the first uh, movie broadcast on Up All Night. Uh, unfortunately, that means that we're going to be talking about Cheerleader Beach Party. Ah, it'll be alright. So, it's great. We'll be back to do that after the jump. I think that went pretty well. I agree. It's a bit tough, though, to convey really why we watch the show. Well, that's why we did the introduction, to give people a sense of the different era. Cultural context is important to understanding media. Yeah, certainly. I concur. Um, Cody, what did you think? What? Uh, oh, uh, great. You know, great. Is something on your mind? Uh, well... Come it, on, just out with it. I mean, it, it, it really just kind of took me till now, but we're basically just watching your teenage skin movies, right? Your old uh, handy material. You know, we always can get the other guy back. Oh, I'll, I'll, it's, it's fine. I'll be good. Welcome back to That Podcast Stays Up All Night. We'll begin with the pitch. It's cheerleaders, and we're partying at the beach. And you know what that means. Shitty crap-ass pranks, boring dialogue scenes, and just a tiny, t- tiny touch of nudity. That's right. The name is a lie. So it's a bit of an odd choice for USA Up All Night to start with this film, given what would follow, because this they would often move into 80s territory. I'd say that's what they're most infamous for. And this is such a fucking 70s movie. Yeah. It's also an interesting oddity because it was released by Canon Group, but before it was purchased by the, the infamous Golan and Globus of the, the documentary fame. Uh, at the time, the company was no stranger to softcore films, having produced the successful Happy Hooker series, which I'm sure we're all very familiar with. <laughs> Missed uh, that one. Me too. <laughs> Happy Hooker goes to Washington. No, that's that was a film. Yeah. Oh yeah, my no, gosh! There were famous I, films in the '70s. I, I have more. The post deep throughout era. I have some more uh, research I need to do. I guess I was weird in film school. Um, so Cheerleader Beach Party's writer, Chuck Vincent, had previously worked pretty extensively in porn. Uh, he directed titles like Babes in Joyland and Heavy Load, <laughs> which I assume is, is something to do with manual labor. Uh, though he was trying to enter the mainstream film industry at the time of this picture. Not that that stopped him from putting lots of tits in his movie. All right. So here's the synopsis. Cheerleaders from Rambling U overhear a recruiter pitch uh, for some of their players to State University. And uh, these cheerleaders try to work within the system to no avail. So they decide that, of course, the best course of action is to do recruiting actions of their own by embracing their feminine charm. Upon arriving at the recruiting restaurant, camp, beach resort, uh, they note that they do have competition with other women who also immediately reveal their breasts to the team. Uh, it is notable to point out here that the, the, the cheerleaders, while they are spying, initially go wearing their rambling new uniforms. <laughs> yeah. So they're clearly not particularly adept at subterfuge. Yeah, uh, very obviously uh, in their own school uniforms. And such uh, lighthearted pranks as Hotfoot, which holy shit, immediately <laughs> as that scene happened, I was like, is she... Oh my god! It's like, is me, this Mad and, Magazine? Me and Josh had a uh, <laughs> conversation about this, I think, while we were watching it. it and so. we were like, did people actually do <laughs> That's hot so, It's like, whoa! <laughs> I, 
I, I thought that was, was a cartoon prank, but I assumed it was from humor magazines. Yeah. Like that's something that I'd associate with, like I said, Mad Magazine or Cracked or something. Like it, I wouldn't ever if somebody actually did that, that's horrifying. Yeah, and the only time you could do it is the exact context of this movie where people are blind enough that they can't see you crawl under their table and all of the victims happen to be wearing flip-flops so you could stick matches under their toes. There, There's also the double problem of when the prank because the hot foot is the second prank. The first prank she does is the, the hands on the sausage. Yeah. Which, you know... Both of these pranks, like, sort of avail themselves on the idea that you wouldn't look under the table to see <laughs> yeah. what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Although, in fairness, it's only the second one that is technically assault. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Assault the first one's really rough. Like, man, why is this person's penis starting at his knee? <laughs> the top of his knee. <laughs> but, uh, but somehow, uh, the pitch works, and several of the boars are lured back. Uh, a... Mostly by sex. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and uh, the dude with the uh, patchwork quilt uh, boxer briefs. The, <laughs> the handsome, stupid southern boy. <laughs> this prairie-themed mantis. That's that's correct. I remember in that scene when I first saw it, like he's climbing on top, but I was like, is that the girl? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they're wearing panties. They're, they're cut very high, very that cheeky. Would, that would be the scene where they recruit a player by running a train on him. Let me okay. So before the show, so I have a, a slight uh, derivation from the script here, just for one second. So uh, last night, you 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 know, uh, I talked I talked to both of you at one point last night. I think it was after I talked to Cody, and I was like, and I said something to the effect of, "Yeah, well, I think I have a copy of Cheerleader Beach Party at the house here. Like, I'll I'll just watch that." And we start, and we then we said something about boob comedies. And we were going on it like back and forth about boob comedies a little bit. And my wife is sitting in the chair right there, and she's like, "You're doing what now for the show?" <laughs> and I was, I'm you never so, explained to her. No, yeah, well, no, we we talked about this when we first initially talked about doing the show like eight months ago with the other guy and all of the other stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, so she was aware that this show was happening. But, but I guess had either forgotten or didn't realize what that actually meant. Because she's like, you're what now? <laughs> and I was, I was like, we're going to watch Cheerleader Beach. It's for the show. Don't worry about it. And so then she goes to bed. And I'm watching this thing. And it gets to this scene. The scene <laughs> where it's all just like... I see where it all goes wrong. Yeah, well, there's no... Um, there's a... Uh, you, there's very little visual because most of what happens in this scene, you're is behind a tent. You're listening yeah. from outside of a tent. Well, so well, other women pace around waiting for their turn. Their turn. Yeah. yeah. This is ex the exact point where I was like, "This is everything in the porn except the porn. This is where you would skip." Yeah. And so, and so, the sounds though are over exaggerated because of the scene because of what the scene is. Yeah, to convey so, what's happening. And so the sound is going like. And she gets out of bed, and she's like, what the hell? Like, oh, like, it's the movie. I told you what I was watching. Like, like, she thinks I'm out here, like, fucking watching pornography. And I'm just like... like it's You're like, look, I assure you, this is not arousing in any way. Yeah, right? <laughs> Nothing in the scene could possibly arouse another yeah. human being. So, I, also, I also love how to have sex, this train that all these girls run revol involves taking our shirts off 
but not our underwear and literally rolling around on the ground. <laughs> One of them like pins him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that? One of them pins him, like runs in like oh, yeah, that's right. Like, moolah or something. And oh, that's right. She was she she like ran some football play like. He also, on him. he also <laughs> looks mad after the second girl. Like, he's already exhausted and tired of this. It's, it's his duty that he must do. <laughs> oh, jeez. But, uh... So the uh, State U administrators eventually get wind of the uh, football team defections and tell the boys that they signed contracts and they're stuck. So uh, the ultimate comeuppance is they decide to get back at the boys uh, by putting crabs in their jock straps, causing them to itch uh, uncontrollably in their stomach and back areas, which is not usually adjacent to where a jock strap is located. Gotta wonder what they were doing after that. Uh... <laughs> Just saying. So uh, they uh, immediately, upon seeing his players do something as simple as scratch, the uh, state you uh, dean get sick of the goofing around and they uh, kick the boys out and uh, including the people that weren't being recruited <laughs> but the already existing players decide that this is such a square move that they're also going to go back to rambling you where the cheerleaders <laughs> either fuck you to death or put STDs <laughs> yeah, inside your <laughs> underwear. And one thing that occurred to me, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me the previous times I've watched this stupid, stupid movie for this show, but this time watching it, I was like, are they going to have sex with the guys that they've just given fucking venereal disease to? Yeah. You know, I, I had that thought for the first time last night as well. <laughs> so, it's funny, like, that we were... Yeah, they set, they set up the fact that they have access to crabs very early in the movie for that to be the literal last, writing. yeah, 10, 15 minutes for, for Chekhov's crabs to go off. Check, Chekhov's pubic lice? <laughs> yeah. What is a pubic lyceum? What is that? Uh, like, what does it sound like, cheerleader woman? <laughs> you know, like. I'm smart, but not too smart. Yeah. And there was uh, technically one beach party. There was exactly one beach party in... There was one beach party in Cheerleaders. Beach party. But it's and not a very long one. No. There's not a lot of cheerleading. No, not a lot of cheerleading either. Yeah. But there is a disturbing amount of aggressive making out. <laughs> yes. Alright, so now we can talk about the films a little critically. There's sort of one topic that I came up with here when I was thinking about this film. Uh, the last watch was the degree to which the film... Uh, it, it would contrast with later things because this is an early sex comedy comparing and we haven't watched other ones from the show yet obviously but from, from other 80s sex comedies featuring colleges um, this one has a sort of odd lifestyle emphasis that I would call like the playboy lifestyle emphasis uh, so I, I contend that this film has a very 70s view just of sex comedies in that the girls aren't sort of airheaded college babes or something that you would see in a lot of the later films. There's a, an, an early bit that stood out to me when they're all in the restaurant the first time, like after the, the opening montage and the terrible faux lesbian shower bit where we, where they're sitting around talking and what, what they're going to do over the break and one of the girls is saying like, I'm going to spend some time in bed with Mailer and Vonnegut and I'm like, really? <laughs> like, like you're a lit major 
<laughs> and I think they make references to they make references to others, sort of like like Ethan Frome or something at some point, or just yeah. They they make a lot of references to things that indicate that actually they are pretty educated. <laughs> well, also the, um, the 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 football players occasionally will mention that they're all straight A students. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> very very well spoken at the very last scene when they have crabs inside their jock straps and they're yes. standing up to the man. <laughs> as far also as far as dated references go, I knew it was definitely <clears throat> a '70s movie when they're talking about the people where they're spying on the other football camp team and they're like is that oj simpson and we <laughs> were like oh whoa this is definitely uh, i didn't age well that means something different <laughs> yeah now. Definitely. A, group <laughs> of, a group of women pointing out that it's oj simpson is usually like a cross to the other <laughs> oh, side of the street oh sort crap of it's oj simpson <laughs> that's oj simpson you better run lady <laughs> the juice is loose mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> You don't want to get stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> sort of what the educational level on it made me think of was uh, a class check on the 50s and talking about like the Playboy idea. Because when Playboy as a magazine launched, like what Hugh Hefner had in mind wasn't just like a stroke mag, mm-hmm. but he wanted something that would embody this new sexually liberated lifestyle that he saw taking place in a newly urban America coming back from the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, among the men, because you know, obviously, sexism. Uh, but in he'd not only have like naked pictorials of famous ladies, but he'd also have journalism, or he would have stories by Norman Mailer or by Kurt Vonnegut. They were both published in there a lot, and comics, and you know, a variety uh, guides to style and things like that. And it was like pornography wasn't just like like the old stag loops where it's. You know, yeah, I mean, get your cocks out. Like the idea was that it was g- giving you a lifestyle that would make you urbane and sophisticated. Playboy to this day, I still think has that uh, that subtitle. It's a lifestyle magazine or something like that, or a men's lifestyle magazine, or it says something like that. I think on the covers, mm-hmm. probably. And that's probably why they also tried their brief foray into not having pornographic content, yeah. <laughs> which didn't work that. out for them. <laughs> But uh, did you guys see that in this movie as well? Like, it, it has a different idea. I yeah, I, well, also just that it's, like, very obviously a horny, horny movie, but, like, at, at least from the beginning, it's it's the women that are perpetrating the horny. I mean, it's their idea yeah. that, oh, hey, to get our boys back, we'll sleep with them and all the other people over there if we need to. Yeah. But it, it's their outgoing idea, but they're also still, like... Technically, once they're they're pranking them a lot of the time too, which you have to be one step ahead of the person you're pranking to be able to pull it off, and uh, <clears throat> a lot of the time they're just like in disguises, which is a wig and sunglasses, just a different <laughs> hairstyle to their already wig-looking hairstyle. Yeah, serving pot brownies. Yeah, <laughs> pot brownies and a punch that hasn't been spiked yet, but specifically going out of the way to present it in front of people. Yeah. It is. It's very much sort of the sexually liberated 60s and 70s, and you don't see in this film... I don't think there are any consent problems. I don't remember there being any. Not it's hard to watch one. this movie because it's so yeah. fucking boring. There, there certainly uh, will be in, in the future 80s. movies. Yeah, one <laughs> of the other ones I watched, there's some issues. 80s sex comedies, there are very much problems with consent. Like One movie that we'll be doing somewhat soon is Fast Food, which is a film premised around feeding you a drug to make you horny, which, which is very problematic. <laughs> And the people that do that aren't, you're not immediately like, these people are, you're not supposed to immediately be like, these people are the villains. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, 
So, I mean, this movie also doesn't have that that problem. Uh, that is that we we sort of are indicated by by very sort of semiotic sort of way who the villains are. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like like you've got the stodgy dean that you know is 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 uh, as far as I. Th- think illegally you know like yeah. trying to they they never yeah. we at one point they never mentioned the legalities of it but yeah I, I do think it's illegal to uh to to poach other teams players in that way well that's well, just whether they're signed i think i guess rambling doesn't have them signed for the next season or also what is the role of the other women at the other college because they make a point to say that they are not cheerleaders so it would seem that they are either just students who are willing to be outgoing and flirty and horny for the sake of drawing new people in or they are just under the employ of the football team which seems to have unlimited resources to give new players scholarships and cash money lifestyle yeah. and, and prostitutes apparently yeah is what we're getting around here uh yeah it you don't a lot of this movie doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> Well, I, I wonder if they specifically went out of their way to not mention that they were cheerleaders so there wasn't the expectation of a cheer-off. You know, <laughs> yeah. Which... <laughs> yeah. the budget for that here. <laughs> which, which, which definitely would have been my expectation had I, uh, you know... Yeah. Had this, been, had this movie been a different genre, but I'm sort of stepping on the toes of, I think, a future, uh, <laughs> a, a future game. So, <laughs> oh, There is a surprisingly small amount, as we said in the opening, of cheering in this cheerleading movie. Yeah. Basically the opening, they cheer for a team, and I don't think they do throughout the rest, do they? They, they do, on the actual beach party of Cheerleaders Beach Party, they do one, like, five-second cheer, and that is it. I, I was thinking about this. I believe there is only two times, period, because the end of the movie also doesn't include any more cheering or any, like, final football game where you get to see all of the team together just, like, wiping out a different team, like, at the beginning of the movie... There's just, we're all walking away with our crabby underwear. <laughs> and even in the beginning, I, I remember the cheering from them mostly in attempts to distract the opposing team. Like, there's a scene where there's a, a dude running and they all, like, sort of twerk at him and he's all like, yeah. butts. <laughs> for how much, for how little problem they have showing their breast for that opening scene, they don't even lift up their skirts. They just turn around yeah. and the idea that they're sticking their butts out is enough to distract a different player. It's, it's not even like 80s music video butt thrust. It's just like a little bit. Yeah. Just the butt is out no, a little. Nothing that you wouldn't absolutely see at like any normal high school football game. <laughs> normal. I mean, think about it. Or think about because we watch Riverdale. Like think yeah, about sure. how cheerleading happens in this, in the, those sequences and how it happens in Riverdale. Because the Riverdale cheerleaders, by comparison, are Jesus yeah. Christ, are yeah. basically strippers. <laughs> well, I think that's the comment that we had though. Was like, uh... <laughs> they're still in high school, right? <laughs> yeah, at least at least this movie. They're, they have the guise of being college age, so it makes sense why like half of the football players are like six foot eight with mustaches and beards versus a different movie that I watched where uh, a quote unquote high school student very obviously looks like he has already been audited by the IRS. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely it is a film. All of the football players look like they're in dad rock bands. Yeah. Like they're definitely in cover bands that can play you some Journey and some Loverboy. They, they all have, like, Kiss the Cook, like, grill uniforms, like, stashed and ready to go. 
And all the girls are very 70s girls. Yeah. Alright, so I think that's pretty good for our dissection here. Uh, dissection. After the After the jump, we will be back with some games and then the wrap-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here we are. Yep. Yeah, we're all dressed up as cheerleaders. I'm so excited. So, uh, so it so it is a podcast, and you you didn't have to. <laughs> we we wanted to do the bit, but you didn't have to do makeup and everything. Didn't I though? No, you really didn't. Oh. Wait. Okay. So yeah, he didn't need to do the makeup, but why did we also dress up as cheerleaders if no one's going to see this? Look, I read somewhere that you get a 20% ratings bump if you feature cheerleaders in your program. Uh, I think they mean lady cheerleaders, not fat dudes in tube tops and skirts. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> are we dressed like this again then? So, uh, on uh, that podcast, Up All Night, uh, our final, well, our second to last segment is what we're calling the game segment. This is going to have different, feature different sort of uh, fun little improv games that we're going to do uh, over the course of this. Uh, uh, some of them planned, some of them unplanned. Uh, so how this works is I'm going to I'm going to spin the wheel of games, and we're going to see where this lands. All right, so so are are you ready, Josh? I'm ready, Aura. This is this is your favorite, right? Yep. All right, here we go. Spinning the wheel. Whoosh. Well, there's a big wheel spinning. He's all freaked out by it. <laughs> you just, just like, oh fuck, what's happening? You're, you're a good cat, Bill. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. All right, we got to re- that's that's a respin. It landed between two things. <laughs> we'll call this one genre mashup. All right, so. This one I'm springing on Josh right now. So Josh is looking at the script and he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so, Fair enough. So here's what we're going to do. We're we're all three going to pick a, a, a different genre than this movie is. And we're going to pick each other's, rather. Um, and and tell, the, tell this movie as were it that genre instead of the genre it is. Okay. So uh, for Josh, I'm going to pick... Historical fiction. Historical fiction? Yep. <laughs> it's, uh... Hmm. So, well, hang on. You have time to think about it because now you have to pick Cody's genre. Oh, shit. Okay. And Cody um, gets to pick mine. I, I, I've got Auras. You can go ahead with Auras. I'm still... Uh, uh, a Ken Burns documentary. <laughs> All right. Here we go. All right. All right. For, for Cody, uh, high fantasy. Oh, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> so, all right, I I got mine. If you guys want me to go, yeah, because I I'm, I'm curious to how. So, are we just doing like the elevator pitch for the movie, uh, yeah, yeah. or are we rebooting it as this thing? It's this thing now. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, so okay. yeah, all right. So, the men bravely fought on the battlefield, and and they they went out and. And fought fought their damnedest, but just couldn't just couldn't break through. When the evil soldiers on the other side, they 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 tried to 
They tried to woo our men, and yet, unsuccessful, because of the women. The women on the home front, they, they, they really put their hearts and souls into making sure that the men were satisfied in every way possible. Dear Virginia, this morning finds me racked with the pains of the crab louse upon my nethers. I cannot help but think fondly of that time I grabbed a sausage under a table. Very good, Josh. That was, that was actually really good, that one. All right, historical fiction, go. Uh, the school that they're being recruited by is in Washington. Uh, and it's 1972. Yeah. Uh, and the girls get mixed up in the Watergate break-in during the time because they're all staying at the Watergate Hotel. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and somewhere in there, Nixon says, I am not a sex pervert. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also a lie. <laughs> all right all right here we here we go high fantasy high fantasy i'm thinking so it's, so it's a little bit different hang on hang on coach. cheerleader beach party is high fantasy <laughs> cheerleader, cheerleader beach party is high fantasy uh it still opens with the exact same opening shot of a football game following into a pseudo lesbian scene but immediately upon afterwards uh after the shower scene they're, they're going to a closet to look for more towels, and, oh, we're, we're reaching to the back, and I can't feel the back, and all of a sudden, all three of these scantily clad women are in this snowy area with a lamp post, and uh, Mr. Tumnus comes around the corner, <laughs> and they decide to sleep with a bunch of characters from A Chronicles of Narnia and recruit those those guys back to rambling you. So You know bestiality isn't legal, right? <laughs> I said high fantasy! <laughs> Show you why I'm the king lion. <laughs> yeah, so so the, the, the middle part of recruiting the people and dosing a, a kingly party with uh, pot brownies and like spiked punch is all exactly the same, but it comes back and there actually is a final football game where players are immediately killed by giant lions and goat men with horns on their heads and the cheerleaders cheer and, and then that's the end. I always, I always did wonder what Turkish delight was. <laughs> Dear Virginia, we were on the field and all of a sudden the lions started eating other men. I didn't, I didn't quite know how to react because I had, had way too many pot brownies and my nethers really, really burned. Jim Jeffries, 1978. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, that was that was that one was real good. Um, sorry, sorry, I sprung that on you, Josh. Yeah, that's fine. You mentioned it earlier, and it just escaped my mind. Yeah. All right, let's let's take another spin of the wheel. It's funny because the audience can't see it. I'm actually literally making like a spinning <laughs> like with my arm as if there. Were... Yeah, how else are you going to spin the spin wheel? Spin the wheel. Yeah, no, you're right. Actually, I'm sorry. What the... <laughs> and freaks my cat out. <laughs> he did run like hell just now, by the way. <laughs> he knew it was going. Make mine seventies. <laughs> uh, this this one's uh, an interesting one where where uh, we start uh, trying to figure out how seventies the, the the themes in here are right. Yeah. Um. So so we try to name nineteen seventies era things. But and, they could have added into the film. Yeah. Ah, more seventies. 
for instance, uh, one that I would start with is that on the way to the to the beach where they're going to meet up with the guys, they could have to wait in a gas line. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or if uh, all of the prices could be going up because they could be talking about stagflation and needing to whip inflation now. <laughs> Basically, this game is an excuse for me to do a bunch of dumb references to the 70s that I got from Mystery Science Theater. Sure, yeah. So do you, do you, do you understand it uh, there, yeah. there, sir? So, so they, they already uh, mentioned one uh, O.J. Simpson joke that definitely needs to be like a... Uh, <laughs> is that Pete Sampras? <laughs> <laughs> or... Um, a, uh, what, what was the uh, the guy the guy in Playgirl, famously uh, Bert uh, Bert uh, Bert Reynolds, right? Is that a little too? That's probably too eighties. Never mind. <laughs> um, no, I didn't know Bert Reynolds was in Playgirl. So, though, so. so do we? Do, do you get now because this is a game? You buzzed me out, right? Because because I sure. I fucked up. It's the eighties. Eighties. All right. So yeah. now you guys have to battle it off, right? For I mean, it's just throw out ideas that are funny, like extra it's not that structured. <laughs> uh, Where's the see. game element then? I already did the Watergate card, so I can't bring that back. Maybe <laughs> I know it's later seventies, but maybe a scene of them washing the Dago Dayglow paint off of a van, being like, "Oh boy, I'm glad we got out of this." <laughs> the the cheerleaders could all confess to having lusted in their hearts. <laughs> They uh, they do trade off a van that ha- or a car that has a bunch of like flowers and things painted on it for a just plain brown van. They do they do that. Um, they don't, but they don't paint a barbarian on the side, which is sad. <laughs> That's true. It could be any of the football players. <laughs> um, uh, they could all get on the wrong bus and end up with Ken Kesey. I guess that's a bit more 60s. Kerbaz! Mm. Cody wins! <laughs> Woo! I'm the most 70s around. <laughs> all right. Let's a real grooving, swinging 70s. Let's take one more spin of this old wheel, Codester. Your turn to, to roll it. <laughs> oh, boy. Me. Next, next week, I'm going to bring a block of wood that's just grooved in a couple of spaces so we can rattle it off. You're... This one's called Split Ends. <laughs> so what this game is is uh, we we uh, we we sort of make up our own end of the movie, right? Or ah. our alternate universe version of yeah. it. Because the end of this movie was no good, so we, we yeah. gotta we gotta re-edit this turd, get it out in the get it out in the theaters, make some money for Mr. Golan. <laughs> so 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 how would you have ended it? You think, Josh? Uh, my ending, which I, I believe is the one that I wrote down here, that is correct, <laughs> is that the football players realize that it is uh, really sleazy to extort sex. I uh, use sex to extort uh, service uh, from the girls, and so they report the girls to the police for prostitution and uh, sexual assault. <laughs> to figure out the crab thing too. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, and the girls all go to jail, and then the sequel is Cage Team, basically. <laughs> girls go to jail, and it's Cage Team. That's what happens every time girls go to jail, right? In the seventies. <laughs> Speaking of seventies things, yeah, right. I I actually really like that. I as original as this is for my bit, I'd like to expand on that. And instead of it, you you still have Josh's recut of the movie, but then. <laughs> 
the two old people announcers from the beginning of the movie who you never see their faces again that you pull out to reveal you've actually been watching like a Dateline special this entire time. Oh no. And all instead of being in jail all four women are still on the loose and it's one of those still to this day high schools and colleges around have their men checking their jock straps for this band of sexual perverts. If you see any women fitting this description please call the number on your screen. So, uh, so my version of this, the, the, the end, uh, has to do with a cheer-off, right? Like, mm. like this is, this, this, this goes into bring it on territory, right? Like, <laughs> where, where, uh, the, the, the men are sidelined while, while the, while the, while the chips fight it out, right? Mm. But, twist ending, twist ending, <laughs> the crabs on the, on the jaw get enlarged by the radiation from the nearby plant. <laughs> okay, like a power plant, right? And and they get they get they get to be people sized, right? And start wreaking havoc on the crowd. But the cheer off is still going on. Right? While this is all happening. So that you know, they they have to like um kaiju fight basically while also still doing cheer routines and fighting people-sized crabs. That's pretty good. Yeah. I like that. I think I, I think that's my pick. I want to yeah. see this. At the end, they all combine into the larger form. Yes, <laughs> Voltron oh crab. No, <laughs> Voltron cheerleader. Oh, <laughs> although Voltron Voltron cheerleader versus Voltron, Voltron crab. crab. Voltron cheerleader and hyper crab. There you go. Sell that to the Sci-Fi Network. <laughs> so we think we just did. <laughs> oh my gosh. Cheerleader Beach Party versus Hedora. <laughs> the, the sequel is a beach cleanup like propaganda thing. So, uh, have you have you had enough games for now, Josh? I think we're at the we're at the limit of the games. Yeah, because we're not going to do the one that got us in trouble last time. Oh, you do? You do. <laughs> no, we. Oh, we okay. Too. <laughs> this is going. We've, we've had plenty of lectures. Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to wrap it up with some where are they now? We're each going to give the film ratings and uh, any trivia that you guys have found out that you might want to insert. Uh, the trivia that I did was sort of the where are we now stuff. Uh, Chuck Vincent, the writer who we mentioned earlier, was a, uh, was a pornographer of some repute. And uh, he, his attempt to move into legitimate film ended in tragedy in 1991 when he died of AIDS-related complications. So that's a bit sad. Uh, before that, he did find steady work uh, with the Playboy film arm, which I, I think actually just goes back to reinforce that sure. whole 70s lifestyle sexuality thing. Uh, most of the actors were didn't do much other than maybe occasionally bounce around the exploitation and pornography circuits. Uh, but the only exception is John Hart, uh, who was a cowboy actor better known for playing the Lone Ranger on, the TV, on TV from 1950 to 1953. Uh, he continued to work for television for some years uh, before eventually succumbing to dementia and passing away. Uh, with a lot of these films, one thing that we're going to have to deal with is that they are old, and many of the people that are in them are, are probably <laughs> not with us. Oh, sure. That's why I've been brought onto the show, just in case, you know, anything happens to Aura or Josh. <laughs> I mean, any day. What the hell does that mean? Any no, day, nothing. any day now. <laughs> you won't be waiting long. So, do you guys have any trivia you, you dug up for this one? Uh, not yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
I I mean this is this isn't one hundred percent trivia, but this is this is an interesting fact about this movie. Is uh, you know, my copy of it uh, was in a uh, box set called Top of the Class, uh, which is a Mill Creek box set. Mill Creek, which I imagine we'll talk about uh, <laughs> frequently as, times, as the yes. show goes forward. <laughs> um, but uh, interestingly, they have a here's here's the here's the elevator pitch that they have on the back of this this thing. Um, this teen romp is about four saucy cheerleaders who set out on a mission to tire the star player of the rival football team on the eve of the big game. None of that is true. None of that. I'm not even sure there's only four of them. Aren't there like five? Yeah, I think that, that might. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the one that kind of comes and goes. She quits and comes back and quits and comes back. She thinks better of it. Like all of all of the illegalities of the things that you mentioned. <laughs> that is a, a really great Mill Creek description. Yeah. If people aren't familiar with Mill Creek, they're a great place if you have like 15 bucks and you want 50 movies. And you yeah. don't care much what the movies are. Uh, if you... You just want to watch, uh, you know, fifty, you know, uh, the open domain. Uh, you know. <laughs> if you want to build a film collection that license-free movies, yeah. if you want to build a film collection that will lead you through the Burgess Meredith apocalypse <laughs> when the world ends and you have time enough at last, then Mill Creek are, are a great place to start. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts or? Nah, I, I, no, I, okay. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing else. So now I, I, just, I tried, but I... That's fine, I, man. I uh, a lot of these films have kind of spotty mentions of anything about them because I mean, they're pretty marginal films. I mean, the big, the, the big trivia fact about this thing, I mean, I think the only reason it it's even notable today at all is that it, it was the first USA Up All Night movie, yeah. you know? Um, so... So that's the piece of trivia about this movie is the is just simply that is is yeah. it, it opened up USA up all night. So. And I guess we should also say that there were some even in the the, the pre changeover days there were on up all night there were some movies that were better known than others. For instance, uh, the Tom Hanks film Burbs was on up all night at one point the burbs can't wait to cover that one i have uh, loads of trivia for that movie <laughs> yeah off the we'll top probably, of my dome i have trivia for that movie we'll probably get to that but we're trying to parcel out the better known films in between lesser known ones because yeah, there were so sure. many lesser known ones so also, a lot of it will be less revenge of the nerds and more like screwballs and fast food yeah <laughs> also we intend to have guests on and we figured we'd leave those for the guests to pick as options yeah yeah Right, so Josh, 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 Josh. Before we go, so we we're going to do the reviews. Uh, oh, nothing then. <laughs> Never mind. But did you have trivia or something? Oh, I, well, uh, trivia. Um, so the IMDb app mm-hmm. uh, has a more like this section, and the first movie that it lists as more like this is Ninja Cheerleaders. I swear to God, that's the film that uh, that YouTube tried to autoplay for me. When nice. I was watching it. <laughs> I think uh, that was I think that was for me too. I have seen that movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if it's if it's one I'm thinking of, I rented it once from a from a family video. I bet there's more great. cheerleading in that movie <laughs> than there is in this one. Uh, yeah, if I recall, they actually is. George Takei was in it. Uh, yeah. It, never mind. Like you know a, what? I'm I'm looking up facts for another movie. Let's. <laughs> it was a more modern film. Like it came out in the 2000s. Um, I think. But, anyway, so now we're going to do the ratings for this movie. Yes. Uh, talk about what we thought of it. Uh, I thought this movie was a turd. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it's really boring. It, it's all the things that are dis. I don't dislike '70s movies in the way that some people do. Sure. Uh, but but this film is all of the things that people dislike about '70s movies. <laughs> like concentrated, like scenes of people in really boring locales and very brown color schemes having long conversations about <laughs> shit you just can't count. How did about. I describe it to you yesterday, Cody? Was it? Uh, uh, people going on their way to places talking. Yes. There's a lot of, yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of... Just so much talking for a fucking sexploitation film. Yeah. <laughs> so much. You really understand why the porn industry became what it was when you watch these kinds of 70s exploitation films because pornography eventually just sort of filed it down to here's what people actually want to see when they want to jerk off. They want to see people fucking. Right, that's that's what pornography became eventually, and that's why it split off from exploitation cinema. And I think when you watch films like this, you really see why. Yeah, because all of the other stuff around it is just we're only exploiting the viewers. <laughs> yeah, if they were better filmmakers, they could maybe make it work, but they aren't. <laughs> what would you guys think? I was trying to look. I think I gave uh, I used the Letterboxd app the, mm-hmm. to help like keep a log of all the movies that I haven't seen or that I want to or where I can find movies. That's not a plug, but it's a helpful yep. app. No, I think there's uh, actually an up on that movie list that somebody put together on that. Yeah, they have lots of like really cool free lists and stuff like that, but I think I gave it a 2 out of 5. There were there were like one or two two moments that... 2 out of 5 what? Oh, the titties. Two, okay. 2 out of 5 exposed breasts. There you go. And I'm not talking pairs, I mean like... Oh. There's two out of a possible, like, five in a lineup that's Whoa. unfortunate. That's just, like, yeah. one solitary breast for each one. Yeah. So there's two solitary breasts party, out of five for... Party titty. For, well, yeah, for two party titties out of five. Wow. For Cheerleader Beach Party. <laughs> uh, most, what, what was your unit of measurement? I forgot. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it one crab louse. One crab louse. <laughs> one, one crab solitary louse. crab louse yeah. hanging out by itself in a drugstore. I, I would also give it one inexplicable short horror story about the people who died inside this house out of five. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> that also was, I think, one of the bits that immediately threw me where I thought, oh, I thought I knew what this movie was going to be. And we so, didn't even mention that, the scene where they, they fake a haunting. I was just going to say. You'd think would be, you're talking about the movie and the things that happen in it, and you would think it would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen this movie three times. Uh, once, uh, you know, yeah. just because, and then twice for this show. And of those three times, I had completely forgotten about the haunting until you mentioned it just now. <laughs> it's just so brought up movie. so awkwardly. Yeah. It is... You know, it, it does have almost a sort of classical screening structure because they lampshade it earlier and then later the girls pull a prank yeah. related to it. Yep. But fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'll give it uh, two and a half uh, molester bands. I think that, uh, <laughs> I think that it, uh, it definitely, uh, you know, it, it, if you're, if it's 70s you're looking for, 70s here it is shag carpet and the whole thing you know um the poor the poor lighting in so many scenes like um again like i like i told cody yesterday there's so much walking and scheming in this movie like (laughs) but but you know the the action bits just seem so like downplayed compared to like and I, I wonder if the, that's a soundtrack problem or something. Like, the, the, I feel like there's some structural reason why, like, this 
if this just had like you know ten percent more craft, it mm. could have been it could have been porkies, but for yeah. chicks, you know. Well, it, it is. Did you do? I, filmmakers do do things like people walking away or with over dialogue or people in cars over dialogue because you can just. ADR it. Right. Yeah, there's <laughs> definitely a lot of very obvious, we're shooting these people far away without mics, and it doesn't matter because you, there's, you know, three pixels on the screen. You can't see their mouth move anyway. Yeah. But as soon as the, the rival school dean shows up and is telling his harem of girls, like, we've got to stop those beta housers, I, like, immediately thought, oh, it's, it's just Animal House, but it was chicks pulling, like, awful pranks instead <laughs> of dudes. So there we go. One, two, and you said two? Uh, two and a half. Two and a half. A molester man, specifically. Alright, so five and a half total. Out of 15. <laughs> Out of 15. Five and a half. Uh, 33%, which is exactly where it lands on the old IMDb. So we're, we're right there, guys. <laughs> we're on the pulse. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so now we're going to do our close. Hey, it is Future Josh back once again with the social media deets that I promised y'all at the top of the show. You can catch all of the That Podcast Productions podcasts over at thatpodcastproductions.fireside.fm. You can also follow us through our Facebook group, which is the That Podcast Stays Up All Night Slumber Party. That's it for now, but there should be both an Instagram on the Grams, as I've heard it called, and also a Twitter coming up before too long. There may also be an email coming. Stay tuned. After a revolting trip to a college filled with disturbing topless scenes, we're in need of a palate cleanser. Which is really too bad, since the horror-themed boob comic Monster High is up next in two weeks' time. It's a film that screams... Why, why, why do one thing well when you can do a dozen things poorly? That does it for the first episode of That Podcast Stays Up All Night. Until next time, keep your pom-poms high and your crabs outside your drugs. Mm-hmm.